It is week two of Behold, I Do a New Thing. And can I read the scripture that this has come out of? For me, there's a sense, and it's a prophetic sense, of God doing uh, something new in our midst as a church, in your life. I believe he's doing something new in the body of Christ around the world. But this is the scripture it comes out of. It's Isaiah 43, and in verse 18, it says, But forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I am about to do something new. Or another version of the Bible says, Behold, I do a new thing. Behold, I do a new thing. See, I've already begun. Don't you see it? I'll make a pathway through the wilderness. That means where there's, there doesn't seem to be a way forward, God's going to make a way forward. Where it seems like there's nothing happening at all, God's going to make something happen. He says, Now I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. So that, that's where people are dry, where, there's, where nothing's growing, nothing's fruitful, nothing's prospering. God's going to do a new thing and he's going to cause new life to grow by bringing a stream or a river of life to you. I believe in this season of God, of God for us, one of the things that, that is going to happen for people is divine acceleration. I believe there are people that you've been doing something faithfully and just obeying God and doing what he said for you to do. And some of you for years, one foot in front of the other, faithfully stepping out with God. I believe this is a season of divine acceleration where God's going to go. It's like a Kairos moment. You just tick, 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 tick. Boom, away you go. And it's like heaven's going to pour out on you. And you're going to see the dreams that you saw. Some of you decades ago are going to begin to take place now as we come into this season of a new thing and divine acceleration. As we lean up to Pentecost Sunday, I love being reminded that they had no concept or paradigm of what Pentecost Sunday was going to look like. Jesus just said, wait, and I'll send the helper. The last person God sent came as a baby. They didn't know how the helper was going to come. Is he got the Holy Spirit? Is he going to come as a baby? Is he going to come, uh, you know, on a mountain somewhere? What's going to happen? So they just waited and they prayed and they waited and they prayed until the Bible says suddenly, suddenly as they were in one accord in one place. And I believe for, for many of us, we're going to experience a suddenly as God does a new thing. So this is what I want to talk to us about today, about uh, how to prepare for a new thing, how to set ourselves for a new thing. And I want to talk about three particular things that is going to help you and me get ready for the new thing that God's got for your life. Are you ready to go? Lock your seatbelts in, take your notes. Here we go. The first thing that we need to do, and it says it in the scripture, but forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. Forget all that. One of the, the things that's going to stop us stepping into God's new is where we have an unhealthy attachment to our past, uh, where we've got things in our memory that are blocking us from moving forward. I've written down this, two things that will stop us stepping into the new. The first one is an old paradigm. A paradigm is a way that we see things. A paradigm is a way that we, uh, the, the, uh, an understanding we have of something and we operate in our thoughts around that thing. And, and, and so it's like a mindset. It could, you could say when God took the children of Israel out of Egypt, Moses stood before the Red Sea and he held up the, the staff, the rod in his hand and he pointed it out over the ocean and God opened up the Red Sea. 40 years later, they're about to go into their promised land 
And the, again, there's a body of water in flood before them, the Jordan River. And, and Joshua, uh, who represents a new generation, is standing in front of that body of water. And I can imagine some people, they're going, all right, Joshua, I, I know what you do. You get your staff, you get your rod, you hold it up. And it's going to open up the water for you. That's what you do. But God, who always, he's into new things, new songs, new mercies. He went from an Old Testament to a New Testament. God's into new things. And God says, now that's not the way you do it. That's the way I did it last time. But this time I'm going to do something new. I want you to get the ark and put it on the shoulder of four priests. You don't even go in. You just send them in. And then I'll, they'll actually walk into the water and then it'll open up. See, if you've got an old paradigm and you're thinking, well, God did this once, Therefore, that's the way he's always going to do it. It will stop you. The way I got healed last time was someone laid hands on me. But maybe God's going to heal you sitting there in your lounge room. The, the way I prospered last time happened because this happened or that situation happened. Maybe. And I feel like there's some people watching this today and you've, you grew up in church. Maybe a traditional church. There's someone you grew up in a Catholic church and your paradigm of Christianity is through your upbringing. And you may have had some great experiences or you may have had some negative experiences, but somehow God is trying to get to your heart. He's trying to get to you. He wants relationship with you and he just needs you to go, I'm going to forget that paradigm. Not, not the good things, not the God behind it, but that way I used to do things because he's saying, I'm coming to you to do it a new way. Today, I'd love to help you connect to God in a personal and powerful way like you've never done before. So move from an old paradigm, move your expectation of, of, the, of what God's going to do, even in terms of, uh, he said to us, he talked to our church about going into a season of revival. Maybe your concept of a season of revival is what you saw God do in the 80s or the 90s or in another season. But the Bible, the, this, this scripture is telling us, forget all that. I'm about to do a new thing. When Jesus came, they, so many missed him because they had a particular expectation of how Jesus would be when he came. They thought, okay, we're expecting someone like Moses or someone like David. We're expecting a political leader. We're expecting a, a, a military leader who will deliver us from Roman oppression. And God took, him, took us out of Egypt and he set us free to be our own nation. So we're going to have a Messiah who's going to rise up as a king or a deliverer and take us to rule the world again like we did under David. And they missed the fact that Jesus came not with the old paradigm, but with a new paradigm. He came to bring a spiritual kingdom, not a political kingdom. He didn't come to bring a military kingdom. He came to bring a spiritual kingdom that would get in people's hearts. And we can miss what God's about to do because we've got the wrong expectation or paradigm. So let's let God work in our hearts around that. Well, what's the other way we can, the other thing we need to forget? We, we need to forget sometimes the disappointments of the past. Some of us carry disappointments that stop and limit our expectation. Our hearts have been disappointed. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, Proverbs says. And so we've, something's happened to us and we're hanging on to that consciously or subconsciously. And God wants to, is kind of saying, rise in your faith. Be expectant for what's about to happen. But, but we carry this disappointment. In 1911, a Swiss psychologist by the name of Edouard Klapperard uh, was treating a 47-year-old patient who had a short-term memory loss. 
And he'd always begin this appointment by shaking hands. It was with a lady, a 47-year-old lady. He'd always shake hands as, as she came in for this appointment. So one day he decided to, to do something. It sounds a little bit mean, but there was a purpose behind it. He just hit a little pin in his hand. And he went and he shook hands with her. And as, the, as the, he shook hands, she felt this, this sharp thing on, on her hand. And she pulled her hand back all of a sudden. Now, a few minutes later, she couldn't remember being stuck with the pin. But next time he came to shake hands with her, she wouldn't. She, to shake hands with the psychologist, she wouldn't. She refused. She couldn't remember why she didn't want to connect or shake hands. But something inside of her told her she couldn't completely trust this man. The residue of pain kept her from reaching her hand out, although she'd forgotten why. And for many of us, our disappointments with God can be like that pinprick. We don't know exactly why we can't expect God to do something new. We, can't, we don't know exactly why we can't expect that God's going to change our circumstances. But, but maybe the reality is there's something happened when we reached out to God once before and it didn't end the way we would have liked it. Behold, I do a new thing, but forget that. Forget the past. Leave it behind. There's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. Sometimes what we need to do is to get our heart right. I remember for me, uh, when one, one of my children was, was young and sick, I remember literally praying all night. I just said, I'm going to pray all night for healing to come to, this, to, to my oldest son, to Jackson it was. And, uh, and uh, you know, I prayed and I prayed and I stayed awake. I prayed right through the night and all I ended up, he didn't get healed. I just got tired. Nothing happened. And I, I, that was one of the things as I began to step out and believe God afresh for healing that I had to reconcile in my heart. I had to bring it to the cross and say, God, I don't understand. I prayed and you didn't do that. You didn't answer me. And there's disappointment. And sometimes that dis disappointment can go very deep in our heart. And if we're going to experience a new thing, we need to let the Holy Spirit come. Put the spotlight on what that disappointment is. And so to bring it into the light and maybe share it with someone, tell someone, bring it to God. Even today, bring it to God and say, God, I'm struggling with believing a new thing because I feel this disappointment about when you didn't come through for me previously. And if you can do that, it can prepare you for a fresh move of God. Some, sometimes we have to just live with the mysteries of unanswered prayer. But can I encourage you, in the midst of the unanswered prayers, let's make a decision to never bring our faith down to the level of our experience. God is a good God, no matter what happens. If it was bad, it didn't come from God. If He didn't come through for us, just put it down to that's mysterious but i'm trusting that he's a good father who wants to bless me and go again and let expectation come in your heart again so that's the first thing i've got to i've got to resolve or let go of the past second thing i've got to do if i'm going to be preparing for this new thing i've got to draw aside to the secret place draw aside to the secret place. I talked about this last week, about going into that place of prayer and praying in tongues and building our expectations and praying something through until we see it in the Spirit. I remember 
not long after Danielle and I was married and I was involved in business and the business, you know, I was just in the, the early days of a couple of businesses and that's what I was doing full time. And I remember it was just like this season, actually. I remember just having this sense and feeling that God was wanting to draw me aside. And the, the Holy Spirit was, it was the middle of the 90s. The Holy Spirit was, there was a move of God actually happening. And in that moment, I remember saying to Dan, I need to, I need to get into some atmosphere. I, I feel like I need to maybe go to a meeting or go to church or go to a revival meeting or go, there's just this draw, like God's drawing me. And I, so I looked at all of the coast and it was a Saturday night and there's no meetings happening. There's no, nothing special going on and so we went over to a friend's place and said you just hang out with them I've just something's drawing me to spend some time with God and I went down to the Maruchidor beach and I walked along the beach praying and talking to God and I had an encounter with God uh, one of the defining encounters with God in my life and as I prayed I was praying about my business and I just the, the overwhelming presence of God on that beach just came and, and flooded me filled me and the whisper, God whispered to my heart, I will make your business successful. And he began to talk to me about prayer and putting him first. And that phrase, I will make your business successful, became the core thing I prayed along with some scriptures over the next decade or plus. And I saw God do exactly what he said. But it came from this, this whisper from God after my attention. And I believe in this season, God's after your attention and he's after my attention and he wants us to draw aside. I read about in Exodus about Moses and it says in Exodus 3 verse 2, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Okay, initially he couldn't see that angel. Most, most scholars believe that when it says the angel of God, it was actually Jesus in a pre-incarnate form. It wasn't, wasn't actually an angel. It was, it was Christ. The way that Christ appeared with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, or he appeared to Joshua as the commander of the Lord's army. And, and so most believe in this moment, Jesus came and met with Moses in his pre-incarnate form. And Moses said, I will now, turn aside and see this great sight why the bush does not burn so when the lord saw that he turned aside to look god called to him from the midst of the bush and said moses moses and he said here i am here's, here's the interesting thing apparently a spontaneous combustion in the desert in the sinai desert with lots of bushes and things around was was kind of normal it was normal for things to just spontaneously combust Reminds me of being a kid about 11 years old and, and I just loved fire and one day I was just playing with fire in a very dry area and it lit up and the, the whole thing, uh, like we had a bushfire and the fire brigade came and I was not a popular kid in my town because of this fire that took off. and It just it seemed like it spontaneously combusted but I was just lighting matches, not good, not ideal. But in the desert it was kind of normal for bushes to combust spontaneously so that wasn't unusual to see a bush on fire and Moses didn't see Jesus or an angel in the bush he just saw a bush that was burning but not not burning out and it just something caught his attention and then as he drew aside God spoke to him and he had an encounter and out of that moment God spoke to him about becoming the deliverer of, of, of Israel and going back to Egypt and all these things happened out of, a, out of an encounter. 
And that's the sense I have right now that God is not just drawing me to a fresh encounter. He's drawing our church to a fresh encounter. There's a, the whisper of God. If you're busy, you miss it. Many of us are busier than ever we've, than we've ever been. Many of us have got more time than we've ever had. Where You can be in both those cases. But can I encourage you in this moment? The whisper of God is, will you draw aside? Because if you draw aside, I'm going to meet with you. And not, not just in the church, this is the, this, is not, this is the thing, not just in the church prayer meeting, not just, not just because that's what I do, but because I want to meet with God, because I want to have an encounter with Him. David McCracken, when preaching to our church about a supernatural breakthrough in the year 2020, he said there's two keys. This church on the calendar of God has supernatural breakthrough written all over it. And he said there's two keys to it. The first is breaking intimidation. And I hope many of you continue to pray every day as you get set free following those four steps we prayed in February. And the second thing he said was it would be a fresh encounter would be the key to going in to this supernatural breakthrough season. I believe God is just, he's knocking. Will you come and pray? He's knocking. Will you draw near to me? Revelation 3.20 says, it's Jesus. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And I know so often we use that to talk to, to people who don't have a relationship with God, that Jesus wants that relationship. And that's 100% true. But in actual fact, this scripture was written to, uh, about Christians. Jesus is standing at the door and knocking, saying, will you draw aside? Will you come into the secret place? I want to reveal things. I want to do things. I want to show you things. I want to launch you into your destiny. I want to open new doors for you into your future. I want to get you into a season of divine acceleration. I want to get, I want to get some seeds inside of you that are going to bear fruit for some of you over the next 20, 30, and 40 years, and they'll happen in a divine encounter like maybe you've never experienced before. Will we turn aside? Will we respond to the nudge of God, the prompt of the Holy Spirit, the whisper of Christ to our hearts saying, draw aside for behold, I do a new thing. Don't miss it. Don't be spiritually out of tune because there's so much noise. Draw aside into the presence of God. I see some business people in our church actually taking a whole day and setting aside a day and saying, God, I'm serious about seeking you, not just for me as a person, but for, for me in the call of God for my business. And I'm going to set aside a day. I'm not going to go to work. I'm going to turn the phone off. And I'm going to get in a room or a beach or a forest or somewhere and get in my car. And I'm going to seek you and pray and open the word up. God, I'm going to come into that secret place to meet with you. And out of that secret place, God's going to show you a blueprint of the next season, of the new thing that he's got for you, if you'll draw aside for him. I think of Russell and Marita Smith when they first uh, went from a season where a job stopped for Russell and Marita. It just, it just came to a, an abrupt halt. And, and some of you, you've lost your jobs or your business has hit a wall uh, or, or, or you know, doors have closed for you. I remember in that season having the sense that that, that door is closed, but it wasn't the devil closed it. It was God who closed it because he's got supernatural abundance for you to go to and talking about this. And they went and they, they spent some time deliberately, a few days to seek God. And God gave them a blueprint of the next season of their life, which they've still been living. And it's a season, not just of God getting you through, but of abundance and provision. There are fresh blueprints from heaven available for us if we'll draw aside. 
people draw aside. So we're forgetting our past. We're drawing aside to the secret place. And the third thing that I want to talk about here is this, is to not despise small beginnings. Don't despise small beginnings. Don't despise them. Uh, Zechariah 4 verse 10 says this, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. They had basically laid the foundation of the temple that was being rebuilded, rebuilt, and Zerubbabel had, had the plumb line to measure things up, and they were about to build the temple. And they thought, oh, it's not going to be as good as it used to be. They were thinking about the past, but God said, hey, the foundation's been laid. Don't despise. You can't, it's not looking that sensational yet. But don't despise the small beginnings. I want to say to someone here today, when God does something new, it starts small. It usually starts in embryonic form. It comes as a seed. It comes as a vision. It comes as a concept. And the reason he says don't despise it is because it seems insignificant. It's like, oh, I've been praying for revival in my family for 20 years. And finally, Grandma Betty got saved uh, when she was 90. And God says, don't despise that. That's the beginning. Behold, I do a new thing. Don't despise it. I'm just, I'm just getting started. I know for, for Danielle and I, uh, over the years, we would, we would often have this kind of expression. And we'd, we, we, I'd heard this idea of someone who'd been praying for provision and they found 20 cents and they said, that's it, it's started. And I've tuned myself and we've made a, a point of going, let's look not for what God's not doing, but for what God's doing, what, where he's starting, where he's stirring something. And, and then let's focus in on where he starts. And often uh, what would seem like an insignificant moment or miracle, I'll just turn to her and go, it started. Uh, I, I, I played squash for a number of years with a good friend, Andrew McGruder, who's a pastor. And we had this thing in, in our game because mo most of the fun for me of sport has been competitive, a healthy sledging, paying out on one another. And as long as it's close and you're, and you're playing hard and competing uh, and th there's that kind of, you know, I don't, well, I actually mind who wins, but as long as I win and it was close and there was sledging, okay, that's kind of how it rolls for me. But we would have this rule that in a game uh, we were able to, because it, most sport is, is, is as mental as anything else, it's in your mind, we'd have this rule that you could have one call in a game of turning point. And so it might be that you are five points down and you're like, you're like, oh, I want a mental edge and you win a point. You just go turning point. It just turned. I just felt it shift. And we'll, we'll muck around with that with each other to try and get in each other's minds. And so, so often I've taken that expression and said when something which might seem small, it might seem insignificant. But in the moment that it's come, we'll say it's a turning point. That's, that's the moment. You, you see Elijah do it. Elijah's praying for a drought to break. He's on his knees. He's, and he sends his servant, go and look. And his servant goes and looks seven times. Every time he comes back, nothing's changing. Nothing's changing. Elijah, while nothing changes, he maintains the position of prayer until the servant comes back and he goes, hey, I saw a cloud. It's about as big as someone's hand. Not that big. Way over in there. It doesn't look like it's rain, but it's a cloud. Elijah, you know, in the Hebrew, it says, he said, okay, get up, let's go. But what he really said was, turning point, the cloud. It's the size of a hair, but it's a turning point. 
God's doing something new. It's, it's beginning something new. And that's why the Bible says, don't despise the little cloud. Don't despise the small cloud. Don't despise the shift that's just begun. It's a turning point. I want us to have eyes at tune and say, God, what are you doing? What's going on? One of the things for me right now, uh, we, a, a year ago in February, God spoke to us and said, your church is going to go into a season of revival. I want you to renovate for it. And we've had the most oh my gosh, the most opposition to some of the simplest of things like getting a flipping shade sail outside. And it's like, why is this thing? Why, why, is council, why is this opposing? Why is that opposing it? Why is this not working for us? And just uh, a couple of weeks ago, finally, Eight, like 16 months later, we got, they came and they dug and they put the posts in. And in, in a few a couple of weeks' time in June, the shade sail is going to go up. And I'm pumped about the shade sail because it's going to stop us getting sunburned on a Sunday. Okay? But I'm, I'm, I'm not as much pumped about that as I am about the significant milestone. God, you said renovate for revival. You renovate, I'll bring revival. You prepare the house, I'll bring revival. And no wonder it was opposed. But for me, when that went in, when I saw those posts going in inside and I wrote it down in my journal, I said, that's a turning point. That's a transition moment in the life of our church, God. And so I've begun a list following that turning point. I'm up to about seven things right now of breakthrough moments that God's done as a new season is birthed. What's the turning point happening in your life? What's the small thing that God's doing? Magnify Him for it. Praise Him for it. Accentuate it and watch what God can do in your life. Oh, I'm excited, church. I want us to close our eyes right now. I'm excited about this new thing that's emerging. I'm excited about this new thing that's being birthed for you. I'm excited about what God's going to break out for you. Can you close your eyes wherever you're watching this? Father, I thank you. This is not just hype. It's not just to preach. It's a prophetic message for our church. You're doing a new thing. Draw us into the secret place. Knock on our hearts. Help us carve out the time for you. Help us let go of the things that would hold us back, the old paradigms, the old mindsets. And help us to see where you're beginning to move. You are beginning to move. Divine acceleration. Supernatural favor. Seeds of destiny are being sown in this season. Seeds of destiny. Visions of the future are coming in that secret place. You might be watching here today. And I shared a little bit earlier about sometimes our old paradigm stops us going into our new thing. Maybe your paradigm of church, of Christianity, has held you back from fully surrendering to Jesus. This might be the first time you've found yourself watching online, or maybe you have been for a little while. 
you found yourself strangely drawn to God in this season. I believe for someone who's watching, today's the day to let go of your old paradigm of church. Maybe you were disappointed. Maybe you got hurt. I'm sorry that that's happened to you. But I don't want you to hold God to ransom because you had a bad experience in church previously. God's He's loving. He's kind. He wants the best for you. He wants to pour His love into you. And I'd love to lead us in a prayer today. And as you're watching right now, I want you to pray this prayer after me with all your heart, surrendering to God, receiving the forgiveness that Jesus purchased when he died on the cross, being accepted by God, being cleansed from your past. You might have once prayed a prayer like this. You walked with God. You had a relationship with God, but you've drifted away. I hear God calling you back today. Maybe you're a a prodigal and today it's time to reconnect with him. You didn't stop believing that he's real, but you know your heart drifted away. It's time to reconnect with him today. I want to lead you in this prayer in a moment, wherever you are watching. Maybe you're there and you're just not sure when you die, if you're going to go to heaven. You hope so, but you're just not sure. And I'd love to pray for you so that a confidence about eternity can come into your heart, a peace. We don't go to heaven because we did the right things. We don't go to heaven because we achieved all these great things for God. We go to heaven because Jesus Christ was nailed to a cross so that we could be forgiven and cleansed. The price was paid for our sin. And so we go to heaven because we put our faith in Jesus. And when we do our name gets written in the book of life. So I want to pray for you right now. And if you're saying, John, that's me. I I want a new thing. I want a connection with God, a relationship with God, or I want to come back to Him, or I want to reconnect with Him, or I want to be sure I'm going to heaven. I want you to pray this prayer after me. The words are going to come up on the screen. And can all of us, church, together, pray these words. Say this after me. Dear God in heaven, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me and for my sin. I'm sorry. I'm turning to you today to follow you with all my heart. I renounce the devil and all his works. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and the power of God. I thank you today that I am forgiven cleansed of my sin born again going to heaven in Jesus name Amen Amen